Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Now, so I'm going to look at fasting just a little bit differently tonight because we know that fasting is good. This was corporate fast day. Um, there are some on Wednesday who fast the entire day, and then some of you may not be able to. We try to uh, fast uh, what we can. Uh, if you, I will tell you, if you take medicine that requires you to eat, then you need to do that. We try to fast, and um, uh, if, if you can, you fast lunch. If you can fast breakfast or, or whatever you can, just putting aside food, it's good. It's good discipline. Uh, and it, it, it allows us to tell our bodies, hey, it's time to, uh, it's time to uh, uh, honor God. It's, you know, I'm going to discipline you. You don't get everything you want. And, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Uh, but um, I do want to, to reference that just by saying that fasting by itself doesn't necessarily produce anything. Uh, because I can, doctors will tell you it's good to fast. It may not be a spiritual thing at all. It just depends uh, what my frame of mind is and why I'm doing it. But he says, they, the question here is, was, wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Meaning, God, we thought we did what you wanted us to do, and you're not watching. Okay? And so, um, wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Here's the problem, right? Okay, and uh, behold, ye fast for strife and debate, uh, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice heard on high. So in other words, God is saying, I understand that you're fasting, uh, but you're really doing it for the wrong reasons. I'm not pleased with this. You, you fast and you keep doing the same stuff. So fasting is actually, if you want to think of it this way, there are some things that we need to fast, meaning don't do them. Take a break from them. In other words, it's not just taking a break from food and then continue to have the same burdens that you deal with. Well, I fasted the food and I keep doing the same stuff. It gives no honor to God. And so he's talking about fasting something else. He's talking about fasting bondage. So that's the way I want to look at it. I want you to think about fasting, not food. But fasting or giving your spirit a rest from bondage. Okay? Because I think this is where perhaps um, some folks say, well, I'm fasting. God, I'm doing your work. And yet uh, this, is, this is probably why you fast and you're was worn out when you finish is when you started. Then he goes to the fifth verse. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush? And to spread sackcloth and ashes under him, wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? A rhetorical question. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? Now this is the one he's chosen. So uh, 
later on in the month, I'll talk more about fasting, and we'll have a, a Daniel's fast, which we've done before. But, but I want us to understand that when, when God is speaking through the mouth of Isaiah, he's saying, fasting, it's not so much about the food and afflicting yourself. What you're holding on to, you should be fasting. You should be getting rid of. And he says, um, to loose the bands of wickedness, all right, to undo the heavy burdens. This is what God is saying rhetorically, but he's saying, this is what you should be doing. And to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. That's the one he's chosen. And notice how he compares those two verses. Did I choose the one for you to afflict your soul? No, it was to break the bands. And so I want to talk to you about breaking some of those bands. These are the terms that each of those things that I just read in the fifth verse, the fourth and fifth verse, particularly verse five, and then six, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. What he's talking about is a fast of oppression, or from oppression. This is not about food, this is about fasting, or eliminating, or giving your soul a break from oppression, from obligations. In other words, you know, you can live under such a burden of obligation that you go around with, with a heavy chain. You're, you're, I'm so obligated, I don't have time for God. Oppression, obligation, vexation. He's talking about uh, uh, loosing the bands. That means uh, from any vexation, things that vex your spirit. You've got to give your soul rest and a break from these things. And then, of course, he talked about letting uh, the oppressed go free, which is untying the yoke. Untying the yoke. So when you think about fasting, I want us to think a little bit differently than, well, I'm going to fast today, I'm going to fast food, and then I'm going to vex the whole day with something. Well, all I did was just make my stomach growl. And now, now my soul is vexed too, which means you're a real bear when you go home. Right? And I fasted, and God, I thought fasting was supposed to make me better. Well, I, I fasted the food. That was nice, but everything else hung on. All the rest of it is supposed to go too, right? This is what God was telling the prophet when in Isaiah 55, 5, and 6. So, in other words, rest for our soul is a necessity. Everybody say, I must rest my soul. In other words, all of the oppression, all the vexation, all of the yokes, and I don't care whether or not they're physical, whether it's, you got to take a break from it. I mean, you might get all keyed up about the bills, or you get all keyed up about, about uh, you know, political scene, or you get all keyed up about the job. Or at some point, you've got to say, God, give my soul rest. Because the fasting, what he's talking about fasting are those things I just listed. Oppression, vexation, bondage in your mind and your spirit. And, and what he was talking about is even bondage of servants. He was saying, you can't fast food and then go back home and you've got slaves. You need to let them go. You know, you can't say, well, I'm fasting my spirit, but your actions show that you're, you're in bondage and you hold others in bondage. He's talking about usury as well. 
And so uh, this whole idea of spiritual rest comes from way back in the Old Testament. You know this, Genesis 2 and 3. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. And he sanctified it. That means God set it apart. This is a Sabbath. This is actually a mitzvah or a law in, in uh, the Torah. And that is a Sabbath of rest because it's a commandment. Right? And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He set it apart because that in it, he had rested from all of his work. God set the standard for what his creation should do, what man should do. And that is you have to get to a place where you separate yourself from the politics and the aggravations and the frustrations of the job and the routine and the day. And you've got to give your soul rest. Which is why... Probably half the time getting to church is an aggravation, but hopefully once you get here and the spirit moves, you find the rest. Amen? Amen. Uh, you know, last night we dragged ourselves to prayer and then the Holy Ghost moves and we start to weep and feel the presence of God and now I feel better. Right? right? So we have to understand that while, and let me say something about habits. You have to get in the habit of reading God's word. You have to get in the habit of coming to the house of God. You have to get in the habit of, of, of teaching statutes and, and God's law in your home. And you have to get in the habit of doing things. But it can't just be for habit's sake. Because if you don't get rest in between there, the habit becomes a ritual that carries no spirit with it. So let me say something about the knowledge of God. It's important to know God's word. But if God's word doesn't result in an impartation of the spirit of God, then the word is left alone and remains not brought to life. Known people who are scholars of God's word, but they can't feel it and they don't know what it's like to experience it. So it does you no good to be a commentator, a theologian, if you haven't experienced the very spirit that spoke the words into existence. You've got to know God's word and you've got to experience God's word and it gives breath and life to the word of God. And so we, we have to know the difference of that. And, and so God said, I don't want you to just do this as a habit, but I want you to understand the whole concept of rest and we're going to see that. So Exodus, the 20th chapter, this is the Decalogue. This is the, uh, the Ten Commandments and it's found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That means it's separated unto God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That means it is so important I sanctified it from my work because I rested and so now you must separate that and keep that holy. That, is, that becomes a part of our Christian walk where I say I go to the house of God, yes, because I forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But to come in the house of God and to be untouched by it is only to experience the ritual and the importance of it. In other words, I dragged myself to church, but hopefully most of the time I go a little bit lighter than I came in. You should leave a little bit better off than when you came in. If you feel heavier than when you left, well, that's really bad. Oh God, I'm really depressed. You know, what a message. Hopefully you don't have any of those. When you leave, you should have not only gotten the knowledge of God, which you get in the house of God, but you should have touched the Spirit of God and been moved by the presence of God. 
So I want us to be able to come in and to sit and to learn God's word. But when it comes time for us to interact and interface with the Holy Ghost, we should be able to do so fluently, willingly, and quickly enter into the presence of God. Because now you know who he is, and so you know what to expect when the Holy Ghost moves. And you know how to quickly respond to it. I should not have to be, and we are not here, but we shouldn't have to be prompted or, or, or you know, put a generator up to us and come on now, folks, let's get up here and worship. Well, that, what that is, is that's cheerleading. We don't need cheerleaders in an apostolic church. We know who he is. I know in whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able because I felt him and experienced him, and I've been through the valley, and I've been through the mountains, and I know what it's like to be rescued and, and secured and, and given peace and saved and washed. I've experienced it. So you've got to, got to get to that place. And then, of course, again in Exodus 31, 13 through 17, speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep. Everybody say shall. shall. God mandates that we keep a restful spirit. You have to do that to be able to build relationship in your walk with God. We are not to be people who are walking around on edge. I mean, a razor's edge. You know, don't say anything to me. I might blow a top. You know, I'm always on edge. You know, I can't. The world's like that. You cut in front of somebody and they'll liable to show you their driving finger or something. People go crazy. They can't take it. They, they, they're, they're on an edge all the time. Of all people, we have to have the peace of God washing us. And, and I'll tell you, when you're in the world, you're going to get that way. You know why? Because you're around people like that. We're human anyway, but you guys get to come in. We get to come and experience the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. And when you go out, it seems so odd that people get so angry so fast. Seems odd to us because we, when you feel the peace of God and you respond to that, you don't want to be that way. And yet, and so we can't allow ourselves to become like the spirit that's in the world. He's not given us the spirit of the world. Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign. This is a covenant. Let me say that again. Rest for your soul is a covenant that God made with us. Because he said, it is a sign between me and you throughout all your generations. God made a covenant with you when he filled you with the Holy Ghost. And that covenant is, you will always seek, you will always covet, and you will always get in my presence. That is a covenant. And I'll tell you why it's beautiful. Because every time I feel the Holy Ghost, it reminds me that God is still there. When you feel lonely and isolated, when you feel the touch of God, you remember. When you shed a tear, I remember God, the covenant. I don't have to look at a rainbow to remember the covenant. I feel the peace of God on the inside. That's the covenant. Throughout your generations, every generation, that you may know that I am the Lord that doth what? Sanctify. I separate you. You belong to me. You're not like the rest of the world feel the peace of God and I feel him washing over me and I know it's going to be okay because you're a child of God. So this relates obviously to where I want to go with this and this is breaking bands and it's spiritual freedom. 
God wants us to be spiritually free. And let me emphasize this. We have in this church been blessed by God's word, but it does no good to extol or exalt the fact that you know God's word if you haven't entered into his presence lately. All of us know enough of God's word to, to bask in the presence of God. What we have to, what I have to work out is to get in more fluidly in the presence of God. It should be just an automatic thing. I come to the house of God and I'm in. Why? Because I know. You see, that's why it's important to know God's word. It doesn't do me any good to dance around and not know why I'm doing it. How was service? So I just jumped all over the place. Why'd you do that? I don't know. Everybody else was. Well, honey, that doesn't do you any good. I dance and I worship because I know what he's done for me. I give God praise because I know where he's brought me from. I give him thanks because I know even though I'm discouraged, he's still there. So you have to have both. You have to have the knowledge and you have to have the spirit. If there's a balance between the two. I know in whom I've believed. But that's not all I know. I've experienced him. I've got both. And it's both that keeps me balanced. This is what Isaiah 61 and 1. This is, a, this is prophetic. And Jesus said this. This is so important to remember because this is the will of God for every man and every woman. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. Not negative stuff. He told it like it was, but it was good tidings. This is how you can be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Good tidings unto the meek, to the hungry. He hath sent me to bind up. Not open up. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And to the opening of the prison to them that are bound. This is the whole idea of I want to give spiritual rest to people. This is why the Lord came. We're not just talking about physical healings. We're talking about spirit healings. The, people who came, the woman who came with the issue of blood was, was not just... Uh, uh, was not just physically bound, but she was emotionally drained. She'd given up hope. Hebrews 4, 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. A what? A rest. Is that talking about a hammock? It's spiritual. It's not talking about uh, whatever, sealy posturpedic. It's talking about a spiritual rest. You need to have rest. You can't go around worried about everything all the time. I mean, we all worry, but sometimes the, the best cure I know for worrying is getting the presence of God. And sometimes it's probably good for you just to laugh. But some people don't do that enough. You can't walk around all the time with a furrowed brow and a frown. Sometimes you just need to laugh. Extol God. Thank you, Jesus. If we haven't had it lately in here, but if we're having a, a powerful move of the Holy Ghost and someone starts laughing, I'm not going to have them taken out in an ambulance. Maybe that's the Holy Ghost. I don't know. Maybe some people need to laugh a little bit. If, 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 you, were, if you were in sorrow, if your life was measured by sorrow and that's how you lived your life and you got in the presence of God, I promise you, you wouldn't have sorrow. You'd have the joy of the Lord. 
Galatians 5 and 1, stand fast therefore in the, what? In the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again, look at this, in the yoke of bondage. That is in sin, yes, but sin is what creates a barrier, a block, mentally and emotionally, and it tears us up inside. It's not just the sin that destroys you. It's what it does to the soul. It's not just to the physical body. It's to the soul. It separates me from God. So he's saying, don't be entangled again in that yoke. But you have to stay, you have to stay free. You have to get in the presence of God and let God free up the yoke of the day's stress and the aggravations and so on. In other words, you've got to starve bondage. You've got to starve it. If you want to starve something and fast something, fast bondage. Fast grievousness. Fast oppression. If your spirit is vexed, fast that. Fast it a couple weeks and come into the house of God and say, I just, I don't know anything but God. Well, you're being ridiculous. You got bills to pay. I, I challenge some of you guys, come in here and forget about the bills. Come in here and forget about the, the stuff you just left. Just come in here as if you're just a brand new person and just stepped in to the temple of the Lord and you heard the sounds of uh, uh, singing and you heard the worship and you just respond like you don't know anything else. I know that's ridiculous. You might feel better when you leave. When you leave. If you come in with all of that stuff, then you have to scrape it all off. Doesn't do any good to call someone and bring them into that stuff. They don't want to hear all that. Let me tell you how bad it is. Everybody's got their own bad. They don't need to hear mine. Amen? Amen. All right, then. I want to take you to 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, and show you something that, that I think really is applicable here. 2 Samuel 12, 16, 17, 18, and 20. David therefore besought God for the child. You know the story. Uh, David lost a child. You know that, that he was praying for the child. It was his child with Bathsheba. You know that he sinned. But it said David fasted. I want to show you something that, that I saw in this story. And he went in and lay all night upon the earth. It showed me kind of the kind of fast that was happening to him. And it wasn't just food. It was something that he had to let go of through this whole story. And, and the way it ends is absolutely beautiful. The elders of his house arose, and I'm gonna read all of the story, but the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. He isolated himself. He afflicted himself physically, and he asked God to be gracious to the child. David had already been told about his sin. He already knew what he had done, and no doubt he had had many, many hours of weeping and repentance. But he went in and he fasted. He wouldn't eat. He didn't want to be around the, the joy and the, the celebrating and all of that. And then it says, as we read on down, and it came to pass on the seventh day. Interesting to me that it was the seventh day. Just interesting. The seventh day. The seventh day is when God rested from all his labor. Just interesting. That the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. 
For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? Right? I can't think of a heavier yoke. Look at the story. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was gone. He knew it. He had been fasting, been praying, He'd been afflicting himself physically, probably mentally. There was something that he missed and that he lacked. And I believe through this whole thing, God had a plan that was much richer for David that David would not know until later after this incident took place. Therefore, David said unto his servants, is the child dead? He had vexed his spirit, and they said, he is dead. Look what happens next. Then David arose from the earth. He got up from his vexation. It was time to fast the affliction. It was time to fast, fast the sorrow. It was time to fast the grief. David said, I've got to change where I'm going. God, you have chosen this. I have presented this to you. And I have trusted you and entrusted this with you. This is not a yoke I can continue to carry. And the Bible said he washed. What David did was changed his posture from one of affliction to that of a prince going into the presence and audience of a king. He washed himself. He changed his apparel. And he came into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Then he came to his own house and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. And the Lord spoke to me and said, he learned that when he took the yoke off and he came into my presence and allowed me to take the spiritual yoke from him, that he actually fulfilled more through that part of the fast than he did in forsaking a meal and afflicting his soul and vexing his spirit. Because what God wanted him to learn is that if you don't get what you have prayed for, if you'll come into my house and give me praise, I will fill your spirit. I will fill your soul and I will deliver you from the bondage that has afflicted you we have got to get to a place where we're ready to lay down the morning and, and lay down the heaviness and say God I'm going to put on a garment of praise and come into your house and worship David, it's time to fast the affliction. It's time to fast the vexation. I want you to get into my house and let me fill you up. You can't live in that. King David knew he could not live in that. David said this. What a powerful, powerful words that he writes here. Deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows, afflictions, vexations, are gone over me. This is the reality. The reality is that we all have the affliction. 
We all have the vexation. We all have the sorrow. We all have the burdens. Yet the Lord. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song will be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. God, it doesn't matter how the billows, how high they are, or how the billows roll, or how high the waves are. God, you're going to command your loving kindness in the nighttime of my sorrow and my vexation. Why? Because I get into the presence of God. I know where to go. And very quickly, at last, I'm through. I want to take you to transpose those letters, A-S-C, the Song of Ascents. I want to show you a Song of Ascent. There are 15 psalms uh, in the Book of Psalms, and they're called the Song of the Songs of Degrees or the Songs of Ascent. And uh, there are 15 of them, and I'm going to read one to you, but first I want to tell you that there are different interpretations about these songs and psalms. Uh, some say that in the holy temple courtyard there was an ultra-wide stairway. And I talked to you about this. It consisted of 15 large semicircular steps that ascended into the intersection of the courtyard. The Levites, whose job it was to accompany the temple service with song and instrumental music, would stand on the steps and sing the 15 songs. Some say that the psalms were sung on a high ascendant musical note. And that these psalms were sung starting in a low tone voice and steadily ascending to a higher one. Then some said the song, psalms were sung by Jews who ascended from Babylon to Israel in the times of Ezra the scribe. And others said they were sung by the Jews when they would ascend to visit the holy temple three times annually for the feasts. And others said they were just psalms of praise to extol and exalt the name of God. Lift the Lord up. And this is what David said. This last one I want to read. Just Psalms 124. This is a song of ascent. And I thought, oh God, this is like so many of us. Who make our pilgrimage through a day and through a week. And we ascend into the house of God. And we begin to extol and praise God. And the words in this psalm are the words that they sang, perhaps the Jews when they were coming from Babylon back to their homeland. And they would say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, and he says it again, he writes it again, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as prey to their teeth. Think about all of the vexations if it had not been the Lord who was on my side. Our soul, this is where it gets to me so 
beautiful and so poignant. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. And we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. God, you broke the snare and I'm free. I'm free from my bondage. I'm free from my fear, from my vexation, from my sorrow and my grief. How did you get there? I got into the presence of God. I did what David did. I had a reason for grief. I had a reason for vexation. But I laid the yoke down and I got in the presence of God. And he lifted me up on eagle's wings. The apostle Peter said this in 1 Peter 1 and 7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Do you know why we go through the trial? Do you know why you go through the valley? Do you know why you go through the aggravation? You go through the sorrow, you go through the tests that it might be found unto praise. God, why did I go through this? Because I want you to lift up your hands and let me do what you could not through your vexation, what you could not do with your sorrow, and that is for me to fill the sorrow with joy. Who else could fill an empty vacuum with his presence but God? That's why he said, I would point it to them that mourn in Zion, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let's stand right now and let's extol him. Wherever you are tonight, whatever the problem is that you have, whatever you're suffering, please understand that the freedom that God wants to give lays before you, not where you are and not behind you. All you have to do is give him a little bit of praise. God, lift us up from our bondage right now. Let us feel the freedom, God, that only your spirit can give. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, I ask you to break every yoke tonight, to break bondage, give us freedom. God, it's your will that our souls have rest and be free for us to have the joy of the Lord, the strength of God. It's not your will that we carry sorrow and frustration and aggravation and vexation in our souls because God, you made a covenant with us that our souls would have rest. That's, that's sanctification, a separation from all of the bondage of the world. Your yoke is easy, Lord. Your burden is light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's come right now and give God thanks and praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Oh, yes. Through it all. 